Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. This podcast is sponsored by New Relic. To track and optimize your application performance, go to rubyrogues.com slash newrelic. This episode is sponsored by Code Climate. Code Climate automated code reviews ensure that your projects stay on track. Fix and find quality and security issues in your Ruby code sooner. Try it free at rubyrogues.com slash codeclimate. This episode is sponsored by SendGrid, the leader in transactional email and email deliverability. SendGrid helps eliminate the cost and complexity of owning and maintaining your own email infrastructure by handling ISP monitoring, DKIM, SPF, feedback loops, white labeling, link customization, and more. If you'd rather focus on your business than on scaling your email infrastructure, then visit www.sendgrid.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 138 of the Ruby Rogues podcast. Today, I am your host, Mandy Moore, otherwise known as the Ruby Rep, otherwise known as the Rogues Assistant. Today, I will be giving you a very special and hopefully hilarious glimpse into the Ruby Rogues retreat in which I had the pleasure, or misfortune, of attending this past July after the Lone Star Ruby conference. We rented a house in Austin, Texas, which was basically a mansion and hold up for four days so the rogues could discuss their boring book stuff and I could eat all their food and record super secret conversations in a very James Bond-esque manner. A great time was had by all and no one died, though David came close and we went our separate ways still friends. I made it on and off an airplane, which was a huge win for me, though Katrina tried to get me to stay on the streets of Austin for an extra month by booking my return flight for August 24th instead of July. Alas, all worked out, and I got to come home to my daughter, whom I lovingly refer to as Chicken, and my four cats, two dogs, three hopelessly lost men, and a very, very dirty kitchen. When I got home, I had over 24 hours worth of audio to go through, a lot of which were the sounds of James's wife Dana cooking amazing meals in the kitchen, which was not so easy on my ears. But I managed to get around Dana's kitchen drum solos to gather some good content. All in all, the rogues were good to me and treated me like the princess that deep inside I know I am. Oh my god, I love your hair! (laughs) (laughs) It did look pretty good that day. But while I was being treated like a princess... There was another one giving birth. Oh, Kate's giving birth. Yeah, I heard. She went to labor. Oh, she, it's arrived. It's here. Is it, is it, is it human? It's it human. <laughs> you never know what the British was. It's a boy. Oh, it's a boy. And in typical Avdi fashion, he just didn't get it. Why is this royal baby the, the top news? I don't know. Because it's the royal, royal baby, huh? Though everyone there was obviously not as concerned with pop culture and royal babies as I was, we still managed to have fun, and David continued to be David. I just realized I, I kind of want to troll exorcism the way we the way we donkey punched or, or donkey patched, excuse me. Excuse me. The way we donkey patched uh, the ruby She will have to exercise your code, though. That's the problem. Well, like holy water. I learned a lot from the rogues. James is probably one of the smartest people I've ever met. But his mad scientist antics would be scary sometimes as he proclaimed things like... Stand back, I'm going to try science! And... Okay, here we go. Pushing the button. On the first night, we sat around the dining room table and played Robo Rally. James was not happy with the outcome. 
turning trivias and facing up the down escalator. David, if you, I, we need to have a little talk because I'm worried your next move is a move two, and then the one after that is a turn left. And if it is, you should just get up from the table. Right? <laughs> <laughs> just go to bed while you can still survive the night. I ran Dave Thomas off stage. I can handle it. <laughs> Dave, Ray quit. Ray quit. Jeffrey. My phone died. I still want to tweet that. On it. He really took this game seriously. Poppy, this is a good time to start having that conversation with yourself. Do I wish to power down? In fact, the next night when it was suggested they play again, James issued David a little warning. So let's talk about activity tonight. What would we like to do on our last night? Play a game. Me too. Did you have another game, Sentinels of the Universe or something? I have another game, Sentinels. I would do that. Or even the Robo Rally. So there is is advantage to playing Robo Rally again. You've kind of got the hang of it now. Mm -hmm. Um, And what are the odds of me drawing three hands in a row of three rare cards? If you beat me again, I will run over you. A lot of strange things went down on this trip. Hey, James? Yeah? I think your computer is making strange space age noises. Oh. If it lifts off, let me know. And I don't even know what was trying to be discussed here. You could totally do Morse, Morse code with llamas, you know. <laughs> 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 One of the most mysterious rogues is Katrina. Apparently, she was a podcast superstar back in the day. So, do you guys remember there was a podcast way back in the day, like 2004, 2005, about Firefly? If it was all about Firefly? No, it was a podcast. Did they present the episodes out of order and then cancel halfway through the first? <laughs> but they did, like, they did interviews with each of the actors. And wow. It was really, and it was, it was in the lead up to the movie being released. Wow. Yeah. I actually got really obsessed with it, and so when they were they were doing the intro jingle, yeah, part of it parts of it were in Chinese. Nice. That was me. Oh wow! Oh really? That's awesome. You know how in Katrina's bio it says she ran away from the circus? I thought it was supposed to be a funny but fake statement. I was wrong because Katrina did in fact leave the circus to become a programmer. Yeah, I, I think. But you tried contemporary French circus. Yeah, for four years. Yeah. You weren't here last night when she explained, but it was fascinating. Okay, in ten seconds. Or so, less, what did you I do? I wasn't like, here when you explained. No, either. floor acrobatics. Floor acrobatics. Really? Yeah. It, it's fascinating. Yeah. Take more than ten seconds. I want to hear it's... it again. <laughs> okay. Um. I'm trying to figure out how far to back up. <laughs> uh, Kansas. Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> so there was this tornado. Right. <laughs> All right. So, um, high school of performing arts. I I tried to be talented at jazz. I was not. Um, I figured because the only thing that kind of made sense to me in music that I that I was really good at was anything that I could calculate. So so musical theory and particular composing fell naturally to me. Um, and I figured, well, I'll, I'll, I'll figure out how to do that. But composing itself it's, itself was never really interesting to me. But maybe, like, so I, I was like, maybe film would work. So I, so I was going to try that. I put together my application, sent 
I didn't even send it off. Uh, in the meanwhile, I had done, I had, I had put together one composition, one kind of weird, really not good piece for bass and saxophone that I was going to perform at a local talent show, and the um, the bass player dropped out last moment. So I was like, okay, well I'll find something else. And I found a couple of my friends, and they were all into belly dancing. I was like, you guys will te teach me belly dancing, and we'll do that at the talent show. And they dropped out. They went traveling. And I was like, well, damn it, I want to do this talent show. <laughs> so I, I did just some physical theater stuff, just made something up. Um, did that and uh, got sent to the to the regional finals. Got sent to the national finals. Um, some guy from a talent agency contacted me. I did some work at like nightclubs, doing stupid stuff. Um, did a music video. Was appeared on some like children's television stuff, and I was like, well, maybe this is my wow. job. So I was so I applied for theater school in Paris. I didn't speak French. Um, I got accepted. Had no idea why. Like I wasn't good at it at all. I hated it. Like I really hated pretty much everything about it. But I was there for a year. After at the end of the year, I had seen a bunch of contemporary French circus that, that's a lot like Cirque du Soleil. No clowns, no animals, just beautiful, creative, funny, like whimsical. Like the women hanging down in blankets, moving around. Right, and, and it, kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and and like a mix of it could be a mix of all sorts of like really weird um, art, dance, hip hop, acrobatics, and it was really fascinating to me. And I was like, okay, well, I didn't like the theater thing, and I'm not very good at it, but this acrobat thing kind of fascinates me. So I applied for this, the five-year course of study to become a professional acrobat for Modern Circus. Um, and that, pr that process is you send in an application, says a little bit about what you've tried previously. They weed out, probably, I guess, and, and choose the top 120, invite you to a full day of auditions, which is strength, flexibility, endurance, uh, acrobatics, dance, acting, handstands and a couple of other things, trampoline, um, and I like failed out of, on pretty much every everything. So I stayed at the, th at the theater school an extra year, which was a really bad choice, but I did, and I tried again the next year. At that point, um, I did a lot better. Like, I came in in the top 40 uh, on, on dance and acting, uh, but they disqualified me on Acrobatics. I was still not good enough at acrobatics. Um, so usually the top 40 get invited to a two-week audition. Uh, and I didn't get invited to the two-week audition, but they remembered me. Like one of the one of the people that I met at the audition emailed, like, I, it wasn't emailed, talked to me uh, later and, and said that she had overheard them talking about how they were um, disappointed that I had failed out on the acrobatics because they would have liked to have seen me there. So I was like, that's kind of cool. I worked really, really hard for a couple of years and got a lot better at acrobatics, and I went back and tried again. So this is like four years into trying to uh, become an acrobat. Um, I made it to the end of the day of the of the one-day audition and broke my ankle on the trampoline. Oh. So I did make it to the top 40. I did get invited to the two weeks of audition, uh, but I had my foot in the cast. I placed 22nd 
uh, out of 40, just kind of middle of the tree, there were 15 places. Did you audition with your foot in a cast then? Yes, I did. For all two weeks? Yes. So I did all of the acrobatics, all of everything with my foot in a cast. Obviously, I couldn't do everything, but there was a lot of things you, I mean, there's a lot you can do with your foot in a cast. Um, but yeah. Uh, so I didn't make it in. And finally, I gave up. Um, wow. I'm Best really, failure story I have heard all year. <laughs> I'm like, in retrospect, I'm so glad I didn't then like yeah. get accepted and then spend five years trying to be an acrobat to make a job of it, yeah. um, without really understanding practice because I, I didn't at that time know how to practice. Like I I know thinking back a lot of the mistakes that I made as I was training acrobatics. I was I was really reinforcing a lot of bad habits. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there were there were a lot of there. I mean, and and I just don't think I would appreciate the circus life at all. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, you'd have, you'd have been rooming with the bearded lady or something. <laughs> so as I said before, the main purpose of this trip was to discuss the book. The only thing David Brady was concerned about was that his name got on the book. Oh, so the one thing that I threw out and like a bunch of us nodded our heads, and this is actually in... Throughout as in rejected or suggested? I, I threw out as a suggestion, which was that what I wanted out of this is my name on the cover of the book in the same font size as everybody else's name. Uh, that may be hard to do. That may <laughs> no, you, no, you're right, because there's actually a line item that says, we own all the presentation. Yeah. Um, it's funny. My mom will not be impressed with a red book about some programming language written by Susser et al. <laughs> I would call her and say, oh, no, it's cool, Mom. I, my, my stage name is Al. <laughs> and he's et. I believe everyone's headshot will be on the back cover. That's wow. cool, too. Nice. You say that, and I've played so many first-person shooter games where it's like, headshot. <laughs> I only want my name listed you guys, in the book and You guys are all dorks. Yeah. Does that mean we can play Quake? Wait, you just we realized are... this? Wait. Why am I hanging out with Where are you hanging out with me? What is, what is the name of the repo, Katrina? That says I'm more thinking. about you Thank than you. us, P.S. Yeah. <laughs> so when it was all said and done, the rogues agreed on some behind-the-scenes business. Alright, I have a to-do, determine royalty split as late as possible, but before the first draft of the manuscript is delivered to Deb, I've assigned it to the milestone manuscript first draft. Current version is seven shares, Josh gets two, Abby gets all the bourbon, David Brady will not be listed on the cover as et al. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds perfect. And then they talked about a bunch of stuff that I just didn't understand. Terminology question. Are we using the word method? Yeah, uh, yes, if you're referring to a method. A method, but not if you're referring to calling a method. Does that make sense? Um, we're saying sending a message. What, what do you mean when you say method? What do you mean message? when you say are we I, using method? Uh, what is the what's is there a bright line rule between method and message? Absolutely. Can I try and draw it? Please. A message is something that you tell an object to do. Okay. But they're they're. <clears throat> A method is one method of implementing of implementing that method. Okay. So are predicate methods actually predicate messages? No. Uh, Do you write your method? So no, if you're writing it, if you're writing it, it's a predicate method. Okay. You're sending it. This is 
Yeah. Okay. Because, so you write a method so that someone can send that message. Yes. That's one way to handle someone sending a message. Yeah. Right? For example, you could use method missing to handle an entire slew of messages, right? Yeah. By the way, there's a similar distinction that I heard once. I don't know if, it, if it's worth making um, parameters versus arguments. Oh, I go back and forth with that all the time. I have to look it up, and I can never remember which is which. So the, the one that I what I learned from like uh, code construction, I think, uh, code completion or something like that, was um, parameters are when you write a method, you define parameters for that method. Arguments are the concrete values that you pass in. Agre agreed. Ooh, Formal so parameters, concrete arguments. So are we capturing these in the glossary? We're capturing it on. And that, yeah, when mean, you are inside your method definition, what do you, how do you refer to the local variable that that is? It's a parameter. It's a formal parameter. The formal parameter right. in the method definition. Wait, wait, from which perspective? When I'm reading the body of a defined method. She's saying like she's defining a method method, and it takes argument A, and then in the body of that definition, she uses A. What do you call that? I would say parameter. I would say I would say an argument. Really? Yeah. Why? Because the value is the argument. Mm. Yeah, that's actually a tough call. I'm not sure. And and uh, uh, here's an argument for calling it argument. <clears throat> um, <laughs> the argument argument. The fact that we typically, at least I typically, like if I'm splatting together into a array, I will call that args. I will not call that args. There's yeah. a lot of history of star args, star star, star kw args, yeah. star args, arg c, arg b. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But when you're talking about when you're talking about the signature of the method, Those are then I would say parameter. So an argument is an instance of a parameter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The the parameter is the abstract is the defin is the specification. Mm -hmm. The argument is the concrete value. Yeah. Okay. I guess that makes sense. I mean, that that's just the way I've always heard it. It's. Mm -hmm. it I don't know if there's an authoritative place to look to define yeah. that. So so if you're inside of the body of the method and you reference the name of the, the parameter, you're, you're referencing an argument. Right. Because it, then you're talking about a concrete case, right. whereas a parameter is. It's the difference between a class definition and an instance, right? It's the, it's, yeah, it's the parameter is the definition, basically. But when you're Remember using the class? <laughs> when you're using it. And after they discussed all the hard questions about methods and messages, David, of course, had to figure out the hardest question of them all. I have spent a solid 30 minutes of my life in the past 24 hours figuring out how I'm going to get that WWSMD sticker on this laptop. <laughs> That's awesome. And the answer is probably the same way I got my uh, Twilio. You notice I didn't put the... I, I stuck the stencil on, but I peeled the circle back off. Wow. So I just have the four dots. Mm -hmm. Trim it. That's what it looks like without or with the ring on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, the WWSMD would fit, but it actually would go onto the monkey's face. And so I'm... Actually, thinking about cutting out the letters. That's awesome. What would David Brady do with what would Sandy, Sandy, Sandy Metz do? Yeah. What would Sandy Metz do stickers were all the rage at the Lone Star Ruby conference, and we had a little row go on for the retreat who wore one for four days solid across her belly to show Ruby's love. Her name is Summer, and she is James and Dana's daughter. Do you want to tell them what you told me? Or can I tell them? I was informed 
that she's going to get older and she's going to be a rogue and she's going to go on retreat. I see. I can totally see it in like 15 years. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Ruby Rogues, episode 2951. This is Summer Greg. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? And then David Brady made the most epic David Brady fail ever. Try to remember Summer sleeping there. I was not aware of that fact. I mean, um, we could probably close that. that. We could probably close that door. I can close that door right now. There's no way about it. I'm going to get David a t-shirt that says Dolt. The rogues had fun discovering their git horoscopes. David is an exceptional rubyist who loves pushing code. David is a Tuesday tinkerer who seems to work best in the mid-afternoon. It seems from their activity streams that David and Kevin Schoberg are probably friends or at least virtual friends. With this in mind, it is worth noting that Kevin Schoberg spends more of their time creating new repositories and branches. There's also an obvious connection between David and Mia and Serial Hex. This is freaking awesome! <laughs> it told me I'm an exceptional Rubius. It told me I'm a noteworthy Rubius, so is that less than exceptional? Is this supposed to look like I'm trendsetting. I'm like forward thinking and stuff. No. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared oh, for the world. world. Okay. I'm such a sporadic contributor to anything. I know, I never, yeah, I I never contributed. Like... I'm a trend-setting JavaScripter. Really? Wow, what? <laughs> Josh is a trend-setting JavaScripter who loves pushing code. Josh is a Tuesday tinkerer who seems to work best in the mid-afternoon. Josh and Xavier Shea are probably friends, or at least virtual friends. Xavier Shea is more foul-mouthed. Uh, <laughs> Avdi is a champion Rubyist, one of the top... It's just because the only thing I did recently was the update Xavier Shea's uh, style guide. Right. I'm a serious JavaScript expert. This is just so dumb. I'm a knight to fiber who seems to work best in the mid-afternoon. I apparently love pushing code. So do I. So do I. Everybody loves pushing code. I am a hump day hero. What? Wednesday? To work best. That makes no sense at all because Wednesdays are like so, always wind up so packed because it's recording day. It said I, I work best in the mornings, which is uh, not true. I get better and better as the day goes on. I Who's com- morning I commit, is the question. Yeah, I commit the most code in the mornings and in the early week because the, as soon as the students are in the room, mm-hmm. then it's, yeah. Uh, I get distracted. Seems to work best in the mid afternoon. I don't know, dude. I sleep best in the mid afternoon. <laughs> And of course, no Ruby Rogues retreat would be complete without some toilet humor. Why is it that you said drops the big one and I thought of sharing a hotel room with Dave? (laughs) I don't know what Chuck was worried about since I'm the one that shared the bathroom with David Brady. I believe the name of that sauce was Exit Wound. But when David Brady did get a little out of control, we just would put him back in his room. David said, the other rogues gave me the best bedroom. It's the only one that locks from the outside. Guys, if you can read this, I can hear you having breakfast. (laughs) And when I said David Brady almost died, I meant David Brady almost died. Someone suggested they take a walk after lunch, and Avdi, Chuck, Josh, James, and David did, even after numerous warnings and advice. No, straight up, guys. Ten minutes into this walk, if I'm not feeling well, I will ditch your butts and come back. You're not 
expecting to be feeling about 10 minutes into the squat. It's 100 degrees outside. Let me give you a hint. Take some water. Sure enough, as soon as they got home, David concluded. Yeah, your wife was right. So after an exhausting four days, especially for David, the group sat down for the night and Avdi read a bedtime story. To do this tomorrow, invent time machine. It's amazing how, how it's, terrible the bad this is. It's not top, but... Um, this guy, Polish guy, Peter, who's really cool, Chesto, on Twitter. I cannot remember. It was about, it was about separating persistence and, and domain logic. But at some point he had this quote up on, on his slides, and I don't remember why, but it said, what do we want? A time machine. When do we want it? It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've seen it also done as, when do we want it? You clearly aren't clear on the concept. <laughs> you clearly aren't clear on the concept. Nice. <laughs> I have a, a board game at home called US Patent Number One, which is about um, constructing a time machine and, um, and then doing the obvious thing going and getting U.S. patent number one. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my, my favorite, my favorite um, logical um, argument that disproves time, time travel is possible is that even if time travel is possible, every time you travel in, in time and it changes the timeline, it destabilizes things until somebody finally goes back and, you know, and, and like, Kills the person before they invent time. Nice, and nice. Then it removes time travel from the timeline. And so, it fixes it. That is all. Yeah. Possible. So it's like there's no time travel because there's know, there's a really bad movie in there somewhere. <laughs> yes. Did you ever see the, the 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 Wikipedia spoof about time travel? No. I don't think so. Is it there on was, Wikipedia? <laughs> there was a great cyanide and happiness about. A theory of time travel, and this guy pops out of the portal, and he's got a Hitler mustache. Oh, I remember that. And one. he says, "Good news, everybody! I've killed Hister." <laughs> what? <laughs> I, well, I killed Hister, the, the disco drag queen, or whatever it was. I've made humanity safe. They're like, do you know what you've done? And shave off that mustache. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're what is it? XKCD. And he walks into his buddy's apartment, and he's like. And he looks at his pants and he's like, hey, 2001 just called. And he's like, did you tell them about 9-11? What about Katrina? You f***er! <laughs> <laughs> you selfish bastard! <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Jeez. What, one, of the, one of the best um, arcs in a role-playing game where we... we we played was about time travel to Victorian London, nice. where we had to prevent prevent Sherlock Holmes from catching Jack the Ripper, because if he had done that, um, that would have allowed the um, the Nazis to take over the world. Nice. <laughs> That's this is why I hate time travel. <laughs> yeah, time travel stories are terrible. Yep. Have you read Nivens? Oh, yeah. Uh, Flight of the Horse? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I liked his hat on it. 
Yes. It's not actually time travel. It's not science fiction. It's fantasy. And by God, if you want a time travel story, I'm writing a fantasy novel. (laughs) (laughs) So this is called Wiki History. International Association of Time Travelers Members Forum. Subforum, Europe, 20th Century, oh, Second World War. At 1452-28, Freedom Fighter 69 wrote, Reporting my first temporal excursion since joining IATT, have just returned from ni- 1936 Berlin, having taken the place of one of, of Lenny Reifenstahl's cameramen and assassinated Adolf Hitler during the opening of the Olympic Games. Let a free world rejoice. At 1457-44, Silver Fox 316 wrote, Back from 1936 Berlin, incapacitated Freedom Fighter 69 before he could pull his little stunt. Freedom Fighter 69, as you are a new member, please read IATT Bulletin 1147 regarding the killing of Hitler before your next excursion. Failure to do so may result in your expulsion per bylaw 223. (laughs) In 1806-59, Big Chill wrote, Take it easy on the kid, Silver Fox 316. Everybody kills Hitler on their first trip. I did. It always gets fixed within a few minutes. What's the harm? At 1833.10, Silver Fox 316 wrote, Easy for you to say, Big Chill, since to my recollection you've never volunteered to go back and fix it. You think I've got nothing better to do? (laughs) 11.16.24. At 10.15.44, Judge Doom wrote, Good news! I just left a French battlefield in October 1916 where I shot dead a young Bavarian army messenger named Adolf Hitler. Not bad for my first time. No, six Semper Tyrannus. At 10.22.53, Silver Fox 316 wrote, Back from 1916 France I come, having at the last possible second prevented Hitler's early demise at the hands of Judge Doom, and incredibly restrained myself from shooting Judge Doom and sparing us all years of correcting his misguided antics. Read Bulletin 1147, people. (laughs) At 15.41.18, Barracks Room Lawyer wrote, Point of order, issues related to Hitler's service in the Bavarian Army ought to go in the World War I form. (laughs) <laughs> this is epic break. Okay, this is a pick. Yes, 11 At 02-21-30, Sneaky Pete wrote, Vienna, 1907, after numerous attempts have infiltrated the Academy of Fine Arts and facilitated Adolf Hitler's admission to that institution. Goodbye, Hitler the dictator. Hello, Hitler the modestly successful landscape artist. <laughs> Brought back a few of his paintings as well. Any buyers? At 2.29.17, Silver Fox 316 wrote, All right, that's it. Having just returned from 1907 Vienna, where I secured the expulsion of Hitler from the Academy by means of an elaborate prank involving the prefect, a goat, and a substantial quantity of olive oil, I now turn my attention to our newer brethren, who, despite rules to the contrary, seem to have no intention of reading Bulletin 1147, nor its addendum, alternate means of subverting the Hitlerian destiny, and here I'm looking at you, Sneaky Pete. Permit me to sum it up and save you the trouble. No Hitler means no Third Reich, no World War II, no rocketry programs, no electronics, no computers, no time travel. Get the picture? At <laughs> <laughs> Silver Fox 316 wrote, P.S. to Sneaky Pete, your Hitler paintings aren't worth anything, schmucks, since you probably brought them directly here from 1907, which means the paint's still fresh. Freaking new. <laughs> <laughs> Barracks Room Lawyer wrote, Amen, Silver Fox 316. Although, point of order, issues relating to early 1900s Vienna should really go in that forum, not here. This has been a recurring problem on this forum. (laughs) Sounds like (laughs) Hartman. 
So this is 1126-2104. At 1826-18, Jason440953 wrote, Silverfox316, you seem to know a lot about the rules. What are your thoughts on traveling to, say, Braunau, Austria in 1875 and killing Alois killing Hitler? Alois? How do you spell, pronounce that? Alois? Alois? A-L-O-I-S. Alois? Alois. If it's French. Before he has a chance to father Adolf. Alois? Mind you, I'm asking out of curiosity alone, since I already went and did it. 1842-55, Silver Fox 316 wrote... Jason 440953, C-Bylaw 7, which states that all IATT rulings regarding historical persons apply to ancestors as well. <laughs> I post this for the benefit of others, as I already made this clear to young Jason in person, as I was dragging him back from 1875 by his hair. Got that? No ancestors. Though, if anyone were to go back to, say, Moline, Illinois, in, say, 2080 or so, and intercede to present, prevent Jason 440953's <laughs> conception, I could be persuaded to look the other way. <laughs> At 21-19-17, Barracks Room Lawyer wrote, Point of order. Discussions of 19th century Austria and 21st century Illinois should be confined <laughs> to their respective forms. 12-1-2104. <laughs> At 1556-41, Asian Avenger wrote, Freedom Fighter 69, Judge Doom, Sneaky Pete, Jason 440953, you're nothing but a pack of racists. Let the light of righteousness shine upon your squalid little viper's nest. At 1640-17, Big Tom 44 wrote, well, here we frickin' go. At 1658-42, Freedom Fighter 69 wrote, racist? For killing Hitler? WTF? At 1712-52, Saucy Aussie wrote, Asian Avenger, you're not rehashing the whole, that whole Nagasaki issue again, are you? We just got everyone calmed down from last time. At 1722-37, Lady Justice wrote, I'm with Saucy Aussie, Asian, Ave Asian Avenger, you're making even less sense than usual. What gives? At 1856-09, Asian Avenger wrote, What gives is everyone's repeated insistence on a course of action which, even if successful, would only save a few million Europeans. It would be no more trouble to travel to, to Fuyunxi, China, in 1814 and kill Hong Zhikan, thus preventing the Taiping Rebellion of the mid-19th century and saving 50, 50 million lives in the process. But hey, what are 50 million yellow devils, more or less, right, guys? We've got Poles and Frenchmen to worry about. At 1901-38, Lady Justice wrote, Well, what's stopping you from killing him, Asian Avenger? At 1911-43, Asian Avenger wrote, Only to have Silver Fox 316 undo my work? What's the point? Silver Fox 316. Actually, it seems like a pretty good idea to me, Asian Avenger. <laughs> no complications that I can see. Big chill. Go for it, man. Asian <laughs> Avenger. Very well. I shall return in mere moments to sa the savior of millions. Lady Justice. Just check the timeline. Congrats on your success, Asian Avenger. Lady Justice. Asian Avenger? <laughs> Silver Fox 316. Asian Avenger, we need your report, buddy. Silver Fox 316 again. Okay, apparently Asian Avenger was descended from Hong Ji Kwan. And you want to go back and stop him from negating his own existence. <laughs> Silver Fox 316. Anyone? Anyone? At 09 Barracks Room Lawyer wrote, 
Point of order. This discussion belongs in the King Dynasty Forum. We're adults. Can we keep sight of what's important around here? <laughs> that is great. That is so funny. That is, that is yeah. so awesome. And if you've made it this far, I want to say that as the Rogue's assistant, I am grateful for each and every one of them. If you've never met these people, put that at the top of your to-do list right now. It was an unforgettable experience, and I hope that someday I get to be in the same room with all of them again. This past year, Chuck has entrusted me with his podcast, Empire, and I couldn't be happier with my job if I tried. Every day I get emails from listeners and Parley members that need taken care of, and let me just say this, it's my pleasure. Thank you for accepting me into the community and allowing me to feel the love that I do from all of you. Some of you may know that I'm in the process of expanding my business. I want to start an agency that pairs developers with trusted assistants that provide the same quality and service that I am proud to say that I do. You can visit devreps.com to find more out more and sign up for news and updates on the launch. Also follow us at, on Twitter at devreps. We're on Facebook too. If you wish to help or sponsor my venture, please feel free to reach out or contribute to my Get Tip account. I'll put all the info in the show notes. Also look for a Kickstarter or Indiegogo campaign in the near future. Again, I just want to say thank you to everyone and say with complete and utter passion, I love you all. This has been the Mandy Moore Ruby Rogues Takeover. Happy holidays and stay awesome.